This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week we have another in a series of programs on music and protest movements in Latin America. We'll feature the music of inspirational performers from Argentina, Panama, and Brazil. But first, Vanessa Jesus Gonzati is here with our weekly roundup of news from around Latin America. The Inter-American Commission on Human Rights asked the government of Ecuadorian President Rafael Correa to suspend the sentence in a criminal libel case against newspaper El Universo. That is at least until the two parties hold a hearing late next month. On March 28th, both sides will present their arguments in the case in Washington, D.C. Last week, Ecuador's National Court of Justice upheld a lower court decision that sentenced El Universo's owners and a former editor to three years of prison and a $40 million fine to be paid to the president. Correa says he will win the lawsuit and explain the reasons behind it. I'm preparing an open letter for the Ecuadorian people to stop the typical manipulations done by the press so it can be recorded in history what motivated this fight. The president's political opponents have criticized the libel lawsuit and international rights organizations call it a ban on free speech. A train in Argentina slammed into a station killing 49 people and injuring about 600. The train hit a station in Buenos Aires with about 1,200 people on board Wednesday morning during rush hour. Passengers say the conductor appeared to struggle with the brakes before the crash. Many say the cause is a deteriorating rail system and lack of modern equipment and safety measures in train cars. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez is going to Cuba to undergo surgery. He's leaving for Havana today, Friday, for an indefinite period of time to have surgery for a lesion on the same pelvic area where his previous cancer appeared to be located. Chavez has traveled to Cuba several times since he was diagnosed with cancer last year in order to follow up on his treatment, but he had declared himself cured. During a long presidential broadcast Thursday, he assured the nation that he would come back and that he would be able to run for the presidential election in the fall. Colombia's number two leftist rebel group is offering to stop offensive actions if the government agrees to peace talks. The National Liberation Army released a statement that was published by an activist group led by former Senator Piedad Córdoba. Colombia's Vice President Angelino Garzón says that if the group stops violence, the government will consider the offer. The rebel group has about 3,000 members and has stepped up attacks in the past two years. Nine guards confessed to helping Zeta drug cartel members escape from a prison in Mexico before other Zetas killed 44 rival inmates. State authorities detained as many as 18 guards at the Apodaca prison in northern Mexico under the suspicion that they may have helped 30 Zetas escape during the riots Sunday. This is Vanessa Jesus Gonzari reporting for Latin Pulse. Thanks, Vanessa. And now our February music special. This program is a sequel of sorts to various programs from last year looking at social movements in Latin America and the protest music that inspired them. The co-hosts of NPR's music podcast, Alt Latino, are back for this program. Here are excerpts from our discussion with Felix Contreras and Jasmine Garst. We begin the discussion tracing the roots of protest music back to Mercedes Sosa, 
of Argentina. This song, Solo Le Pido a Dios, is uh, really one of her most iconic uh, songs. Probably she's better known uh, for Gracias a la Vida, which is originally a Violeta Parra song. And uh, Gracias a la Vida, or I Give Thanks to Life, is actually one of, uh, it is the most covered uh, song in Latin American uh, song history. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto me dio dos luceros But I picked Solo Le Pido a Dios. Um, it's just one of my favorites. It means uh, I only ask of God. It was originally penned by uh, another Argentine music icon, uh, Leon Gieco. The lyrics are just extremely beautiful. This song was penned right uh, at the uh, at the beginning of uh, the Argentine dictatorship in the um, mid to late 70s. And the lyrics say, uh, for example, uh, I only ask God that I be not indifferent to war. It is a great monster and it steps hard, crushing poor people's innocence. Mercedes Sosa is uh, not only an Argentine icon, I mean, she's really iconic throughout Latin America, uh, one of the original, the, really a goddess of, uh, of the Latin protest song. Uh, she's a woman who was persecuted during the dictatorship. She stood up um, not only for the working class in Argentina, but also uh, for indigenous voices in Argentina. Um, and her voice is just so unique. It's really... Uh, it comes from a place in her throat that uh, it's it's very hard to emulate, uh, and it's powerful but nurturing. And I'll tell you, I had a, the pleasure when I was a kid of seeing her perform live, and it's just, um, it's magical, really. There's no other way to describe it. You saw her in Argentina? Yes, I did. And she died recently, um, well, in the past two years or so. Um, the way that she was celebrated in Argentina is, I would say, very different than singers might be celebrated here in the United States when they pass. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's... it's. Um, I would think that the, the, the way that she's celebrated there is the way that people look at people like uh, Bob Dylan here in this country, uh, just based on his past work, you know. Not except in the, the difference being that she was consistently uh, writing and performing music like that, and what, whereas Bob Dylan, of course, has gone on to do many other things besides blowing in the wind and Masters of War and all that. I'm your Masters of War. 
Here that build the big guns Here that build the death planes Here that build all the bombs We don't really have an equivalent to the kind of uh, protest singers, contemporary protest singers. We have Woody Guthrie here in this country. We have uh, the Seeger family, Pete Seeger, and, and uh, the people that came after him that are associated with him. There's a, but it's not as uh, predominant and it's not as um, part of the mainstream culture as it is in different parts of Latin America, and especially with Mercedes Sosa. I was going to make some comparison to Joan Baez, yes. both in style and stature, maybe during the 60s and 70s. Um, sure, and, and, that's, and that's, that's exactly right. Imagine that if she just kept, you know, producing stuff like that and and never stopped. I mean, we we have her as an icon. We have Joan Baez certainly as an icon, and that would be probably the closest equivalent. Which is not to say that she's not uh, a controversial. I'm mean, not maybe not controversial, but uh, um, a divisive figure. I mean, there were definitely people who uh, were not big fans, especially during. The, the 70s of, of the message uh, she had of, you know, uh, let's discuss uh, the issue of poverty in Argentina. Let's discuss the issue of indigenous rights in Argentina um, and in all of Latin America. In fact, uh, when I was a kid and I went to her concert, um, it was in a kind of a, in a park area with a lot of buildings around it. And I remember very clearly um, as she was tuning her guitar, uh, somebody leaned out from the window and, um, and yelled, um, Callate, comunista. Uh, shut up, communist. Even I remember her being divisive, you know? But she was uh, someone that the Peronists could rally behind. Sure. And certainly when she came back to Argentina and, and held conf- uh, concerts at the end of the dictatorship, that was something that also moved the masses, did it not? Absolutely. I mean, I think she's a very beloved figure, and um, I think that anyone um, who... <sighs> You know, who's able to to discuss um, not only the horror of what happened um, during a di- happens during a dictatorship or a war, but you know, the more um, maybe the more subtle horrors that happen during times of peace, like hunger and poverty, um, is, is commendable. It's just commendable, and um, you know, she definitely was that voice, and and. Uh, even, you know, through the, the economic boom of uh, Argentina in, like, the 90s, um, this fantasy world that uh, I might, you know, we were all living in, she was still this voice of reason, and that's wonderful. Gracias, <laughs> 
please tell me about this song, El Padre Antonio. Uh, it has a longer title. Uh, why you picked it and why you think it's significant. Padre Antonio y el Monaguillo Andres. It's like the Father Antonio and the altar boy Andres. It's from a 1984 release called Buscando America. And the context here is that Ruben Blades, or Ruben Blades, um, he was a, a very, he came up through salsa music in the 70s like every other singer. He came up, in fact, he started as a clerk in the mailroom at Fania and then worked his way up into Ray Barreto's band, salsa band. He was an up-and-coming, young, very talented singer from Panama, and then uh, he started doing his his own music, but then his own music t- took on uh, social themes, which which a lot of the salsa musicians at that time didn't do. And this is a time in the mid-70s and late-70s when salsa was really starting to become its own and mostly centered around the album, um, the, the label Fania in New York. They added jazz elements, they added a brashness to it, and it was sort of an update on traditional Cuban son and huaracha and all these existing type cha-cha-cha, mambo. The, the label, the movement, the genre, this sort of got all labeled, all collected into something called, they called salsa. So that's where, that's where he came up. And his music, even when he was doing straight-ahead salsa, it had a political, uh, sociological edge to it. He talked about, he has a song called Plastica. Ella era una chica plastica, de esas que veo por ahí, de esas que cuando se agitan, sudan Chanel number three. Que sueñan casarse con un doctor, pues él puede mantenerlas mejor. No le hablan a nadie si no es su igual, a menos que sea fulano de tal. Son lindas, delgadas, de buen vestir, de mirada esquiva y falso reír. It's about people who were very, you know, thin of character. And they're basically there just to have a good time and they don't think in, about anything beyond themselves. One of my favorite lines from that song is that she was one of those girls that when she sweats, she sweats Chanel number nine. You know, <laughs> I mean, he was very, very critical. And and it, so he had, he already had this thing going, uh, a, a certain perspective. And then he was signed in 84, he was signed to Electra Records, which is one of the major uh, labels here in the United States. And I, it was his first album that he released was this song called uh, was this album called Buscando America. In 1984, it was the height of uh, uh, all of the violence that was going on in Central America and El Salvador, Nicaragua, and the songs were reflective of that reality. Now, I've, I've often wondered if the people who signed him to Electra expected more of popular salsa songs so they can reach out to the Latino market. And I really wonder what they, when they got the translation of the lyric sheets, what they thought about these songs, because he dealt with death squads. He dealt with uh, the killing of Archbishop Romero in El Salvador, which is what this song is about. Uh, people who were disappeared. Just a tragedy, and, and as well as the hope that existed in these countries. one of his strongest uh, albums and a lot of his strongest songwriting in his entire career. 
This song is a tells the story of the murder of Archbishop Romero, who was killed uh, while he was de- delivering mass there in the capital in San Salvador. And it tells a story uh, of of the father and how this altar boy they they came together, and how they were killed. The altar boy was also killed in this song, uh, and how violence affected the people who were asking for peace and, and just the innocent as well. And I picked this song because it's it's one of my favorite. It's always been. I can never sing. I always sing this song in the shower. I sing along with it whenever I'm, I'm, you know, hear it on the radio or on a. It's you know. quite a gruesome song to no, sing in the no, shower. No, because it, it is a it, no. It is about, it is about, uh, the idea of having hope. Yeah. You know that, you know, small people do matter. Right. And that the hope against hope against that small people do matter and they can confront violence and, you know, and try to make the world a better place and like I said it was like it's always emotional for me because the idea of this little boy he has a line in there where he says you know in Spanish he says and, and Andres died at his side without ever knowing Pelé and part of the deal was that the little boy was a soccer you know but a soccer, soccer player yeah. yeah and even more so now that because the little boy is the same age as my son mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's it's always been a powerful powerful song right. and then when I've seen him perform it it's it's crazy. People just they know the words. They sing along mm-hmm. with it. You see people. I've seen people cry, and you know when they sing the song because it's just it's really a powerful song. You know, we've been having this ongoing discussion uh, on our Facebook page and on our website with uh, alt-Latino listeners about what the role of an artist is um, in times of trouble, in uh, tumultuous times, especially, you know, in Latin America, which is a place that, you know, there's always some kind of trouble and always some kind of hardship. And, um, you know, the, the, the question that we were posing to listeners is, is the role of an artist to entertain people and, um, you know, get their minds off of a really bad situation? Or is the role of an artist to point things out and say, you know, kind of what Ruben Blades is doing in this song and say, look at this horrible thing that's happening right here. I can't make a record about, um, you know, meeting a nice girl at a salsa concert. I, I, I got to talk about this horrible thing. And, you know, we got very different um we got very different listener responses. Some people were saying, you know, an artist is doing a great service if he can help take people's minds off of trouble. Other people were saying, you know, an artist who uh, doesn't talk about the reality of what is happening in his or her society is complicit in what's happening. Um, you know, that, and I just, I think that's a fascinating debate. One other item about Ruben Blades before we move on would be his music is not just uh, protest music or, or not just entertainment, but some people talk about him giving identity to certain people. He certainly gives identity to the whole idea of of Latin America and Latin America being, you know, from this tip of South America all the way up to, you know, the United States. 
in in certain songs. One of the things that one of the albums he did while he was on Electra, it was either right after this album or two albums later. He did a whole album where he wrote music and reconstructed uh, ideas and stories from Gab- Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And so he wrote a whole album based around using his uh, story titles, but then creating music and, and stories that reflected those those uh, those stories. And, and that was seen as, you know, creating this, like you said, this massive Latino identity, pan-Latin identity that everybody could relate to because the writer was from Colombia, the, the rhythms were from the Afro-Caribbean tradition, he's from Panama, and, and you know, the label was in the United States, you know, his musicians from, were from all over. It, it was an interesting, a very interesting and powerful time and what he was doing back then. Well, Felix, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the um, what you were saying about Electra. Were they surprised by this? I mean, when they signed uh, Ruben Blades, I mean, he was already, like, you. I think you once told me that uh, as far as salsa musicians uh, go, he was like the conscience of salsa. I mean, they, they kind of knew what they were they, getting they into, kinda, right? They kind of knew, but, I mean, he did, that Buscando America album was much more powerful than anything he had done okay. on, on Fania. And he did four albums for them. I was looking over his discography for the other day for Electra. Okay. For Electra, he did four albums, and the last one uh, included this really wonderful song called Patria, where he talks about it's basically an Afro-Cuban rumba, and he talks about what it means, what Patria, what patriotism means, and again, in his very, very uh, poetic writing style. You know, it, it, I, you're right, they knew, I'm sure they knew what they were getting to, but I just didn't know. <laughs> I bet you they didn't know how much, man, because that, that Buscado Medica is just, it's one of my favorite records of all time. This actually gives me the, the entree to, to change the pace and maybe to go back to something um, that Jasmine said earlier in this interview about the responsibility of the artist to talk about what they see rather than just entertainment. And so that brings us, I think, to, to Chico Buarque. Um, can you tell us about his music in Brazil? Sure. I mean, Chico Buarque is um, one of my favorite Brazilian musicians and absolutely an icon of Brazilian music. Um, you know, he represents uh, the beginnings of the... He's one of the fathers of the Tropicalia movement. Um, and basically, um, during the 70s, you know, Brazil is under this dictatorship um, by starting with Emilio Medici. And um, Chico had already been in trouble uh, with the dictatorship um, because he had released a, a, a play, a very existential play called uh, Roda Viva, um, and that landed him in jail, and then he went uh, to Italy just so he could avoid uh, the dictators. Um, and then he comes back, and uh, the story is really interesting. He comes back to Brazil um, because a friend uh, tells him, you know, things are better, things aren't that bad. He comes back in the 70s. Um, he was only in Italy for, for very little time. And he gets back to Brazil, and he realizes that things are really bad. Uh, people are disappearing. People are getting tortured. The 70s in Latin America were a terrible time 
Um, they were a time of brutal dictatorship. Uh, they were a time of repression and violence. Um, and so he uh, pens this song uh, called A Pesar de Vosé, which means in spite of you. And the lyrics um, say, you know, in spite of you, tomorrow will be another day. You who invented sadness, now you have the delicacy to uninvent it. You will pay twofold every tear that has fallen. And the song uh, was forbidden in Brazilian radios. And at one point, a journalist named um, Sebastião Neri, he wrote in, in his column in a newspaper, he wrote that the people he knew sang this song as if it was the, the Brazilian national anthem. So, of course, uh, the Brazilian police uh, comes to get him and Buarque, and they question Buarque, and they say, who is this uh, Você you were talking about? Who's this song about? In spite of who? Who's going to pay twofold? <laughs> and uh, Buarque says, this is a song about a very, very bossy and authoritarian woman. <laughs> Blame it on the women. <laughs> who, you know, I can't stand. And um, it's it's a lovely song, and... You know, it, it incorporates a lot of uh, traditional Brazilian music. Um, and something that Felix and I discussed in, in the, the, our show about political protests is that a lot of these songs, um, that these protest songs, um, they seem very upbeat, you know? And they, they have a very um, fun and exciting rhythm. And um, I think that speaks to the Latin American experience, that it's beautiful and it's, we have a sense of excitement and of fun, but that you also live on a day-to-day -day basis either with the memory of horror or with atrocity happening all around you. I was, we've talked about how um, the idea of some of these, uh, like the Ruben Blades song or Chico Buarque, because they're very upbeat they're very traditional you know Ruben Blades song is, is Afro-Cuban you know salsa s style and I think it's your perspective as, 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 as a dancer because you associate the music with with dancing and with uh, having a good time and you know well well at, that which is true but at the same time you know I associate because that music is so powerful the way and on the Ruben Blades song that song form it's like a runaway train. It's powerful. It Absolutely. moves. And even the Brazilian song, there's a beautiful, there's a poetry, but there's also like a strong, I've always felt like a strong sense of Africa with that. You know, it's like there's a powerful uh, tradition and that music just moves forward. I guess, you know, you know what it is? It's kind of like going, I, you know, you know, it's like going to uh, Latin clubs, uh -huh. like salsa clubs. Sure. And all of a sudden, like, People, you'll see people like uh, who don't speak Spanish, for example, uh, you know, like kind of grooving to this uh, salsa song, which is about the history of slavery. Right. And and I feel like maybe um, sad songs and um, happy songs are really segregated in English language music. Um, maybe um, when a song is really about a sad, serious subject in English language music, mm -hmm. it's a sad 
sad song. Sure. And you can tell by the melody and the minor key. Right. You know, there's there are. And when tools. it's an upbeat song, it's an upbeat song. Mm-hmm. Our guests this week have been Jasmine Garst and Felix Contreras, the co-hosts of NPR's Alt Latino. Technical assistance provided by both NPR and WAMU-FM, American University's NPR affiliate in Washington, D.C. Also thanks to Toby Schreiner, our sound engineer for portions of this podcast. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook, or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thank you for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For associate producer Vanessa Jesus Gonzati and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escucha nosotros, gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bathtime Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions.